mention that the hunger of the disciples was because of their poverty. They were poor people. It's not like the regular hunger before eating in meal, but uh, because of the shortness of provision. That's why they were hungry. Uh, and here the Lord Jesus Christ started to defend his disciples from the accusation. They accused the disciples they are doing what is unlawful on Sabbath. Uh, actually, to eat from the green field was not uh, a sin. As we in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 26, 25 and 26, the law allowed if you are hungry and you are walking in any field, you can take from the fruit and you can eat. But you cannot use like a scissor or in order to, to reap the fruit. Just to eat uh, and to provide uh, food for yourself because you are hungry. So the accusation is not because they were eating something not theirs, but the accusation that they were doing this on the Sabbath. As they consider this as a work, and they are doing this work on Sabbath, and the law, very clear, the first commandment, keep the day of the Lord holy. So the Lord here explained to them that if there is a necessity, actually, you can make an exception to the law. Because the law is not given in a literal way, but we need to understand it in a spiritual way. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So the law reminded them with a story that happened with David. He told them in verse 3, but he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. You can read this story in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21 from verse 2 to verse 7. David, uh, with his men, his soldiers, were very hungry and they were uh, escaping from uh, King Saul. So he went to the priest and told him, we are too hungry, just give us anything to eat. And the priest did not find anything except the showbread. And according to the law, the showbread should be eaten only by the priests, should not be given to lay people. But because of this necessity, he was hungry and all the men with him, and they were escaping from King Saul, so the priest gave them the showbread and ate it. So here actually, the Lord is telling them, David, who is a man after God's own heart, David, who is a man 
of whom actually the Jews boasted. David, David, when he was escaping from that city, he was running from the king Saul because God asked him to do this, to do this because God appointed David to be king of Israel instead of king Saul. So David, out of necessity, when he was hungry and uh, his men who were with him were hungry, the high priest gave them the showbread not according to the law. Not according to the law. So here actually they made an exception. Although it, it, it was still the Old Testament and there was no commandment that the Old Testament allowed the priest to get, make this exception. But this high priest understood the commandment in a spiritual way. The spirit of the commandment, not the letter of the commandment. That's why he gave David and his men the children to eat. Then he gives them another example. Verse 5. He told them, Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? What did he mean by the priests in the temple profane? The Sabbath. What does this mean? Actually, on the Sabbath, the priests were required to offer two sacrifices and also were required to change the showbread. So they were doing a lot of work and according to the fourth commandment, this is considered like profaning the Sabbath, violating the Sabbath. But God did not call them or blame them for doing this on the Sabbath because they are doing this for the sake of God. So although they were working on the Sabbath as if they were profaning the Sabbath, but they are considered blameless. So here the Lord is telling them, these priests, they do double offering on the Sabbath as we read in Numbers Book of Numbers chapter 28 and verse 9. And also, they changed the showbread on the Sabbath, as we read in Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 5. And they are doing all this work on Sabbath. Also, circumcision. If a child reaches his eighth day of the Sabbath, they do circumcision on the Sabbath. So, all this work on Sabbath is considered breaking the fourth commandment, but they were considered by God blameless because they were doing this for God. So here's the message that the Lord wants to send to the scribes and Pharisees. If the priests in the service of the temple can break the letter of the law and consider blameless, how much more can his disciples and he is the giver of the law. He is the Lord of the temple. How much more his disciples can do on the Sabbath for his service and under his authority? They were traveling from place to place. And actually they abandoned their jobs 
That's why they are poor. And they have, they don't have enough provisions. So they are doing all of this for God's sake. So if they just take some grains to feed themselves, to feed their hunger on, on Sabbath, so they should be considered breaking the law. They were hungry and God allowed them to eat on the Sabbath so that they might continue their ministry. They might continue traveling from place to place in order to preach the gospel of the kingdom. So, how they could consider them breaking the law? That's why he told them in verse 6, Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. If the priests allowed to break the Sabbath for the service of the temple, how much more the servant of God can break the letter of the Sabbath for the service of God? <coughs> Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of the temple. Then he brought their attention to something very, very important. The importance of mercy more than the sacrifice. That's why in verse 7 he told them, But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. So here actually he said about his disciples, clearly they are guiltless. They are guiltless. He did not consider them guilty. And he referred them to this verse from Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6. And by the way, this was not the first time that the Lord quotes this verse. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. Actually, he quoted before in Matthew chapter 9 verse 13. So in Matthew 9 verse 13 it was mentioned and now for the second time it's mentioned. What does it mean? I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. Actually, it is God who asked us to offer sacrifice. So what does it mean? Actually, this verse, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, it speaks of the desire of God for the life of those who actually offer sacrifices. He wanted them to have a merciful heart a heart full of compassion and mercy. It will not benefit me if I offer sacrifices while my heart is hardened. That's why all forms of worship, rites, and ceremonies are worthless before God unless we have kind and merciful hearts. We see some people come to the church to worship. But in dealing with one another, they are too harsh on each other. So, how can you come and serve God and worship and you come here to offer a sacrifice of praise while your heart is, is, is uh, hardened? You don't have a compassionate heart. So, it is the spirit of the 
commandment, not the letter of the commandment that matters to God. It is the spirit of the commandment, not the letter of the commandment that matters to God. As St. Paul said, letter kills, but spirit gives life. Letter kills, but spirit gives life. For example, all of us now are fasting the fast of the apostle. Unless we have a kind and a compassionate heart, this fast will not benefit us. This fast should come out of a compassion and a merciful and a kind and a loving heart. But to keep it from outside, this actually hypocrisy. To keep all the rituals from outside, but your heart from within is hardened, this is hypocrisy. So that verse 8, the Lord told them, For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Means, I am the one who gave this commandment, and I give it to serve the people. As he said in another occasion, Sabbath is made for man, not man is made for Sabbath. So God gave us a commandment to serve me. I am not a slave to the commandment, but the commandment is given for my benefit, for my spiritual growth. So he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. If I am giving this commandment, I am giving this commandment to serve you. But if this commandment will be uh, like a, a, a stumbling block in, 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 in your growth, then actually it can be modified in order to serve you. So, since God created the seventh day, the Sabbath, as a day set aside for fellowship between God and man, and the Lord Jesus Christ here, revealing His divinity and His identity as the Messiah, has authority to interpret the law and actually to uh, give uh, exception for the law if needed to serve the people. So here when he says the Son of Man is the Lord of Sabbath, actually this proves his divinity. The Son of Man is the Lord of Sabbath, this actually evidence of his divinity. divinity. Verse 9. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. It was the Sabbath. So, after they took a walk in the fields, now it's time to go to the temple to worship. Because in the Old Testament, they worship on the Sabbath. So, he went to the disciples to the temple to worship. And these people who accused him that his disciples are breaking the, the law, they went also with them to the temple. What happened? And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. So this answer was not enough for them. They tried again to challenge him on the Sabbath. 
So when they went to him from the temple, and they found this man with withered hand, they asked him, asked him not to learn, asked him not to benefit from him, but asked him that they might accuse him. And in, in the Gospel of St. Mark and the Gospel of St. Luke, this story also is mentioned in Mark 3 and Luke chapter 6. But Mark and Luke, they mention a little bit differently. It's mentioned they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day or not, that they may accuse him. So they are lying in wait to catch him with something wrong in order to accuse him and uh, kill him. Uh, so the Lord Jesus Christ here is starting to answer them again. And many people say how the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23, he said, Walk to you, scribe and Pharisees, walk to you, scribe and Pharisees. Actually, if you see how the Lord was very, very patient with them, enduring them, long suffering with them, then actually at the end, Matthew 23, that is during the Holy Week, before his crucifixion, at the end, because of their hardened heart, he rebuked them and he told them, Walk to you. But see here, the Lord again was patient and he used different examples to explain the meaning of the Sabbath to them. He did not tell them, I just told you about the meaning of Sabbath a few minutes ago and if you don't like it, you can leave. He did not say this, but he was very patient with them and he was explaining to them. So, in verse 11, he, he answered, Although as God, he knew they are asking this question not to learn, but they are asking this question to accuse him. But he answered to them, and he told them. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep. Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So here the Lord told them, if sheep can be lifted out of its suffering on the Sabbath, why not much more a man? If we not leave a sheep in a pit on the Sabbath, how much more man was created in the image and likeness of God? And here, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, actually, he is teaching them with authority. And he's establishing two important principles about the Sabbath. The first principle, mercy and compassion toward man and beast, is an acceptable word of mercy on the Sabbath. I desire mercy and not a sacrifice. So, words of mercy and compassion on the Sabbath are acceptable. It is not breaking the law. And the second principle, also doing what is good on Sabbath is allowed. 
Why is that that? Because doing what's good on the Sabbath fulfills the commandment of God, which can be summarized, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, they used to summarize the Ten Commandments in two commandments. The first four commandments, they summarized them, love the Lord your God. And then from commandment number five to ten, which regulates the relationship between man and other people, they summarize in love your neighbor as yourself. So if I love my, my neighbor, and my neighbor is suffering, if I heal him on the Sabbath, that's doing good, it's fulfilling the commandment of God. So we make this conclusion. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Verse 13, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as good as the other. I'm sure this man has withered hand, uh, he couldn't stretch or move his hand at all. But here, when the Lord made commandment to stretch out his hand, actually, with faith he obeyed. And because of his obedience, he was healed. He had faith in, in, in God, the wonderful healer, and was healed. And actually, we, sometimes we feel we are dead spiritually or withered spiritually. I have no desire to pray. I have no desire to worship. I have no desire to read the scripture. I have no desire to go to the church. I have no desire to fast. So we are, in a way, like this man who cannot stretch his hand. It's like us who cannot do anything spiritual in our life. But if we come to the Lord with faith, and ask him to say a word, like he said to this man, stretch out your hand. With the commandment of God, actually, we will restore our desire, spiritual desire to pray, to worship, to chant to the Lord, to come to the church, to fast, to read the scripture, to do what's good in our life. So, if any moment in your life you feel you are lukewarm, you lost your appetite, your spiritual desire, ask God and tell him, oh you who eat this withered man, by a commandment from your pure and holy mouth, just say a word to lift me up from my lukewarmness, lift it, to lift me up from my laziness, to actually kindle your Holy Spirit in me, so I may uh, restore my spiritual desire. And another good point about this man, he did not pay attention to those who looked at him and told him, if you listen to Jesus, then you are a breaker of the law too. He did not listen to them, but he followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Many times in our journey, many people attack us and want to stop our journey to do what is good. And they may attack us as breaking the law or not following God's commandment. We should not pay attention to these people and we should move on with our journey, hearing and listening only to the calling of God. But 
these people are attacking us, we should not pay attention because they are opposing what is good and what is done for the glory of God. So, uh, he did not pay attention to these people at all. Verse 14, Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. How they might destroy him. Unfortunately, instead of learning, instead of following the teaching of God, they actually start to plot against him. And the Lord Jesus Christ was a peacemaker. He didn't want to get into any conflict. And actually, as the book of Proverbs tells us, that the righteous see evil and he turns away. That's why we read here in verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. So, when the opposition of the Pharisees took another route, took an evil turn, and they started to uh, conspire against the Lord Jesus Christ to kill him, when the Lord Jesus Christ knew this, and he knew this by reading their hearts, nobody told him, but he is God. He is the one who searches the heart and reigns of the people. When he knew this, in peace, and quietly, he left the synagogue, and maybe he left the whole town. Uh, but he continued in his ministry. Many people followed him and believed them. He did not allow his people to stop him from doing what is right. Yes, he avoided unnecessary danger because his hour has not come yet. The hour of crucifixion has not come yet. He still has some ministry to accomplish here on earth. That's why he left the synagogue and he made the town peacefully and quietly and continued in his ministry. We cannot interpret this as the Lord was afraid of persecution. Because at the end, we know, he delivered himself into the hands of the Gentiles and into the hands of the Jews as he crucified them. But there is discernment and wisdom when to do this and when to do that. Actually, it needs discernment and, and, and prudence on our side. Uh, when actually we need to escape quietly and when we need to stand and profess our faith publicly and boldly. In, in this moment, the Lord decided not to provoke them and actually to withdraw quite. Uh, verse 16, Yet he warned them, then those whom he knew, he warned them not to make him known. Then St. Matthew, in his Gospel, he was actually writing his gospel to the Jews in order to convince them or persuade 
them, or to testify to them, that Jesus is the Messiah in the Hebrew Jews. That's why every now and then he quotes verses from the Old Testament in order to uh, convince them and persuade them and bear witnesses, witness to them that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. That's why he told them that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. So, the Lord Jesus Christ asked those who were healed not to make him known, uh, in order not to intensify the hate of his enemies. They were already angry, they were already plotting to kill him, but the hour of his crucifixion did not come yet. That's why he didn't want to intensify their hatred and their anger. So he said to these people, don't uh, make me known to them. In these words, in Isaiah, it is taken from Isaiah chapter 42, from verse 1 to verse 4. Here God the Father is speaking about his son. He's speaking about his son as mediator between people and God. God sent his son to the world to do mediation, to be intercessor on our behalf in front of the Father. So we should understand these verses that God the Father is speaking about his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as the mediator, as the intercessor, whom he sent to the world to intercede on our behalf before the Father. Maybe the first word that caught our attention, he called him my servant. What he meant by my servant? How the Father revealed to his Son, who is truly God, how he refers to him as a servant. Actually, because he is speaking about him as our mediator. And he took actually the form of a servant, as we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. God emptied himself and took the form of a servant. And here I want to bring to your attention when God became man, when the Son, the Son of God became man, actually, as Saint Cyril of Alexandria explained it, there were what we call exchange of properties. What do I mean, or what Saint Cyril meant by exchange of properties? Our properties as human being became his, and his properties as God became ours. I will say elaborate a little bit about this. And actually in the Theotopia of, of uh, Friday, we say he took what is ours and he gave us what's his. You remember after his resurrection and he appeared to Mary Magdalene, he told her, I did not ascend yet to my father who is your father and to my God who is your God. 
So when he said my father, that is his relationship with the father. He's the son of the father. But he told us your father because now he exchanges the properties. So in him, God the Father became our father. But also he took our humanity. And God the Father for us is our God. That's why he called God the Father my God who is your God. So when he said, my father who is your father, that is, we took what is his. When he said, my God who is your God, now he is taking what is ours. So here when the father said, my servant, my servant here as he is a God who became man and he took our humanity. That's why he's calling him my servant. And actually, by his obedience to God the Father, as we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, he obeyed God the Father. So actually, he showed that he is, uh, yeah, as our mediator, as our intercessor, he is our uh, he is a servant of God the Father. He said, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, whom I have chosen. Means, I am delighted in him. I am pleased by his uh, obedience. I am pleased that he accepted to offer himself as a sacrifice to redeem the whole world. In Hebrews chapter 10, St. Paul elaborates about this. He said, when the Son entered into the world, the Father told him, with sacrifices and burnt offering, I am not pleased. So the Father said to the Son, I am not pleased that you offer to me animal sacrifices and burnt offering sacrifices. These sacrifices cannot give the people. But I give you a flesh, I give you body to offer yourself as a sacrifice. So what was the response of the son? The son said to the father, I am here to do your will, O father. So by this obedience, that's why he said, I chose him, myself at home I, 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 I have chosen. He is my elect. I am delighted in his office as a high priest. I am delighted that uh, he actually listened and obeyed me. He obeyed unto death, the death of the cross, as the Lord said in Philippians chapter 2. Then he said, My beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. Actually, this reminds us of the witness of the God's Father in more than one occasion. In uh, baptism and in transfiguration, the people heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, I am delighted because He will actually reconcile the whole world to me. I am delighted because my Son will intercede by His own blood for the behalf of the people. I'm delighted because of my son, I can see mercy and justice 
have come together. So that's what the father is saying about his son. Of course, the son is always the object of the love of the father. Even before the creation of the world, it is the object of the love of the father. But here God is, is, is speaking specifically about his office as a high priest, as a prophet, as a king, as a mediator between us and God the Father. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. I put my spirit upon him. This happened in baptism when the spirit of God actually descended. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove and anointed the Lord Jesus Christ as the high priest and the prophet and as the king of kings. And the word the Messiah means the anointed one. So here actually St. Matthew is telling them, God the Father said about Jesus, I will put my spirit on him, I will anoint him. So Jesus now is the anointed one, is the Christmated one, is the Messiah. So this is another way to testify to them that Jesus is the Messiah. And also this verse has a prophecy about how the Gentiles will enter the kingdom of God. As you know in the Old Testament, the only nation that worshipped God was Israel. And Israel was the only nation that God called my people. But in this verse, he will declare justice to the Gentiles. He will preach to the Gentiles. And actually, this prophecy was fulfilled, literally. Uh, because many people, the Lord Jesus Christ did not only preach to the Jewish people, but also to the Gentiles, as we read in Mark chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, that many people came to him from Idumea, beyond the Jordan, Tyre, and Sidon. All these are Gentiles. So, here the Lord Jesus Christ also preached just to the Gentiles. And it is a prophecy that the Church of the New Testament will not only be restricted to the Jews, but from every tribe, from every nation, from every uh, town. Verse 19, He will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. St. Matthew is quoting this verse why? Because he just mentioned when the Pharisees plotted to kill him, so he was grown. So now he is explaining why he was grown. Actually, it's a prophecy that he will not quarrel, nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. So he's saying the spirit of Christ is not a spirit of contention, murmuring, uproar, or controversy. Actually, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he sees uh, some evil or a problem, he is grow quite.
and I like to, uh, I, I cause conflict and troubles, then this is not the Christian spirit. And that's why he who loves contention or he who loves uh, trouble or conflict is not belonging to Christ. Children of Christ are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for the equal sons of God. But children of the devil are troublemakers. Again, children of Christ are peacemakers. But the children of the devil are troublemakers. Uh, Smoking flats 
employed a whip that starts to cease to burn. It is our responsibility as children of Christ actually to help them until they shine again with the light of Christ. And in his name, Gentiles will trust. Another verse actually to, uh, about how the Gentiles will accept the gospel of the kingdom. So, give the Lord Jesus Christ will be a king not only over the Jews, but king over the Jews and the Gentiles. He is the king of kings. All people from every nation, from every tribe, will follow the uh, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read actually in, in Corinthians, he will reign until he will put every enemy under his feet. By putting every enemy under his feet, this means he will bring the justice into victory. He will bring justice into victory. So he will he shall sit in power and victory on the throne of judgment. He will judge those who followed Satan and refused to follow the uh, preaching of Christ. Although in his humbleness and his long suffering, he waited and waited and waited for them to accept his calling, but they rejected him. So he will come in the rest of the day to judge them and give each one according to their deeds. Since starting from verse 22, we'll be another section and we shall that. Yeah, this is enough for uh, today.